So this morning, I want to talk about um, eternal perspective. This is something that we need to remind ourselves very often living in such a broken world, keeping eternal perspective because it's encouraging, it's truth, and um, it's our destiny. Um, you know, when we talk about life, the Bible defines Jesus as life. We think life on this earth is life, but really, Jesus says, I am the way and the life. Life is Jesus. So before Jesus, before we know Jesus, you know, people say we're walking as dead men, dead women, and it's really true because he is life. He's the only one that can give us life. So before Jesus, we're walking as dead people, and then we just get into more death, right? And when we find Jesus, he brings life and, and victory, and then when he comes back, we just get more life and victory. So our, our eternal perspective is Jesus is life, and once we know him intimately and we invite him into our life, we experience true life. And anybody who's been saved, you realize your life was nothing without him. Life is nothing without Jesus. He's everything. He's everything. Everything is vanity without the Lord. It's all about him. It's always been all about him. It will always be about Jesus. And he pulls us into that glory. Okay, so saying that, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And kids, if you have your Bible, it's so good to read this along with me. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 15. I'm starting with 51. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. I don't know about you, but I like hearing secrets, especially if it's God's secrets. They're the best. So kids, listen to this. God has a wonderful secret to reveal to us. Not all of us will die, but will be transformed. This will happen in a moment, in the blink blinking of an eye. Kids, can you blink your eyes? Like in a blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, Christians who have died will be raised and transformed bodies, and we who are living will be transformed that we never die. For our perishable earthly bodies will be transformed into heavenly bodies that never die. And when this happens, our perishable earthly bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. Then at the last scriptures will come true. Death has swallowed up victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin that is the sting that results in death, the law has given its power. How we thank God who's given us victory, say victory, over sin and death through Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady and always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Why is he saying this? So, be steady, be strong, and be enthusiastic. Why is he saying this? Because our life on earth it is so temporary. 
We are created for heavenly bodies in eternity with Jesus Christ. And he's saying in a blinking of an eye, in one moment, God is going to call us home. So we need to make the most of our time on earth. In a blinking of an eye, in a moment, Jesus is coming back for his bride. When is that going to be? I don't know. Tomorrow? Probably not. But who knows? We don't know. But he's saying we need to be strong and steady, like stable and enthusiastic because everything we do for the Lord, he says, is not in vain. Everything you've done for the Lord, there's rewards in heaven waiting for us that are eternal. Now that gets exciting, especially as you know, you get older and your body starts wearing out. The heavenly body is looking better and better. <laughs> there's no pain. There's no wrinkles. There's no soreness. There's no, you know, and we were created for that. Okay, so we have victorious life right now. I love that. And when the Lord comes back, we have a more victorious life. I don't really like the theology that we have no victory till Jesus comes. Because Jesus came. And he died on the cross. And he conquered death and sin. So why do we not live a victorious life here? Yeah, when he comes back, we really live the victorious life. But we have victory because Jesus is victory. And I don't know about you, but he's in me, right? So we have victory, and we get to walk on this earth victorious, not defeated. I don't like any of those movies that, I don't know, there's a few that come to my mind, I'm, I'm going to say, but you know movies where the e it just gets evil and evil and evil and evil, and at the end, the very end, the goodness conquers. But until then, it's just evil, 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 evil. And I'm like, okay, that's fine for the movie, but that's not the kingdom of God. It's not. Anytime we make the enemy look like he has the upper hand, even if it's for a season, we have wrong theology. Jesus always wins. He actually has already won. The only time we are defeated is when we don't believe that. We have victory because of what Jesus did. Okay, so he says be strong and be steady and, and be enthusiastic. Why? Because we owe people on this earth an encounter with God. If my life is not giving people an encounter with God, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, I should be in heaven, right? Because this isn't even my real life. This isn't your real life. It really isn't. I know as a kid, it's hard to understand that because especially as a kid, you have dreams and visions. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I wanted to get married and have kids. And so the, I was like, Lord, don't come. I would pray to God, don't come until I have kids, you know? And then now it's like, okay, God, if you, if you come, just come for all of us, you know? But, but our best day on earth, the most amazing moment on earth is not even compared to what God has for us. So I tell my kids this all the time. Like, think of the best, the funnest, most amazing moment. God can amp that up that a million times. He knows the desires of our heart. So we'll dream about heaven and what we're doing in heaven and you know, like, there's going to be good food in heaven. If there's good food on earth, can you imagine the food in heaven? Right? 
I mean, there's mansions prepared for us. There's streets of gold. I mean, it's exciting. If we love each other here on earth, can you imagine the love we have for each other in heaven? In our heavenly bodies? I mean, I don't know. Can we fly? Maybe. You know, I dream this with the kids. Jesus walked through walls in the heavenly body. I mean, there's just so much to get excited about in heavenly, heavenly perspective. Because when we have heavenly perspective, it keeps us grounded and steady and strong and enthusiastic on earth. You know, it's our temporary residence is what it is. But our life on earth cannot be wasted. It can't be wasted. It's for a purpose. It's to lead people to the Lord, to show people an encounter to the Lord. It's not about us. And it's not about building a kingdom or a life here on earth apart from God. Everything has to be centered around the Lord or it's all in vain and it's a waste. If we're not going to fulfill what God has called us to do, and I want to tell you something. If you love God, it's really easy to fulfill what he's called you to do. I don't feel like it's hard to get into destiny. Our destiny is to love God and love each other. And out of that, we just walk in destiny. Sometimes we make this big, grandiose thing of destiny. Yeah, there's good works that God, God has prepared for us. It says he prepared them for us. So if we just love God and love each other, we're going to start doing those things that God has called us to do. He's going to put the things in our heart. We don't have to conjure it up. We don't have to get it from somebody else. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, and it's easy to walk in destiny because Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, right? And I think that's with our destiny. Okay, now Philippians 1, uh, turn with me to Philippians 1. I love Paul. Paul had such a heavenly perspective. And you notice, the more heavenly perspective people in the Bible had, the more courageous they were. It goes hand in hand because when we have heavenly perspective, it squashes fear. When we're holding on to, value, to life on this earth, fear can come in, right? Okay, so Paul says um, in verse 20, it says, I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but I will always be bold for Christ as I've been in the past, that my life will always honor Christ whether I live or die. I love that. God, let my life do nothing that causes you shame. And everything I do, whether I live or die, I, I'm bold for you because Jesus deserves that. He says, for me, Living is for Christ, but dying is even better. He's like, heck yeah, I would love to leave this earth. I mean, have you read about his life? He went through some stuff. He went through some stuff. I was thinking in my life, you know, I've been through stuff, but as a nation, my generation, we really haven't experienced much hardship. Like, you know, I homeschool my kids, so history. I just love history. And the Civil War, World War I, I mean, this country's been through stuff. You know, I, I don't want to get political or, or hurt anybody's feelings. And this coronavirus I know is real. But when you read in history, m my generation hasn't really experienced tremendous amount of hardship like in the past. 
hardship. I know all of us individually have gone through really hard things. I'm not minimizing this or this situation. But in the scheme of history, we're a blessed generation. A friend told me yesterday, yeah, we're the Apple generation. You know what I mean? That's why I've seen the older generations look at this, and they haven't really faltered. They're like, we've been through some stuff. You know, I know how it works out. God is faithful. But Paul had been through some stuff. And he was like, great, I'll die. Great, that's the easy way out is what Paul is saying. Dying to Paul was the easy way out. But he says, it's better that I stay. It's better for Jesus Christ I stay because I have stuff to do. I have people that I need to meet and allow them to encounter the Lord. He had heavenly perspective. Yet if I live, that means I'm fruitful service to Christ. Our life should be fruitful service to Christ is what we're called to do. Yet I really don't know which one's better. I'm torn between the two desires. Sometimes I want to live. Sometimes I long to go to be with Christ. And it's not because he was like suicidal. <laughs> it's because he knew where he was going and it was so, so good. It's like, do you want to eat at Taco Bell or Ruth's, Ruth's Steakhouse? Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> See what I'm saying, right? It's better that I go. I long to go to be with Christ. It would be far better for me, but it's better for you that I live. It's better for you to live because there's people in your life that are waiting to encounter God, and God needs you to give them an, an encounter with God by your life. Just the way you live your life. Just the way you live your life, you're the fragrance of Jesus Christ wherever you go because he's in you. I'm convinced of this. I will continue to be with you and grow and experience the joy of your faith. Then I'll return and you'll have more reasons to boast about Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. But whatever happens to me, you must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Our lives should show people that God is good and he's about good news. Our life really should. If our life is always about bad news, all we're doing is advertising the enemy. And honestly, who wants to be a part of that? But our life should be an advertisement of the good news. Living our life, showing the good news that we're not begging people to get saved, but people are coming to us asking us about Jesus. Yeah. When our life is lived boldly and courageously, people will come up to you and say, what is different about you? Why do you have peace? Why do you have joy? Why do you have such good relationships around you? And you get to point them to the Lord. This will be a sign that they're, um, oh, it goes on to say, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I know that you're standing side by side fighting together the good news. And then he says, don't be intimidated by your enemies. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. Because there's a lot of enemies. You know, there's a lot of enemies in this world. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about spirits and principalities. But they're, they're defeated. Boldly living for Jesus. Living a life worthy of Jesus. We don't just have victory in death. We have victory now. And the thing is that fear 
paralyzes us from walking in our destiny. How many times in the Bible does God say, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear? It's one of the most talked about things from Genesis to Revelations. Do not fear, do not fear, because the enemy can only intimidate and get us to believe a lie. And once we believe the lie, our faith is in that lie, and it can manifest in our life. Truth, truth. He's defeated. So all he has on us is to lie to us. And oh, he loves to work on those lies, doesn't he? I mean, this time that we've been a little isolated, I feel like the enemy's been working overhaul on mind and fear and everything. He loves to isolate us. Because when we're together, we encourage one another. Paul says, stand side by side for the good news to go forth. Side by side. We're called to be together. There's power in numbers, right? <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk about David and Goliath. David, I love David. There's so many stories in the Bible, but you know, David was, what, Nick, 12 years old? Okay, maybe 12 years old. Okay, and um, Goliath was 13 feet? Okay, Nick, I'm going to need you to come up here. <laughs> we, we, we need a visual. We need a visual. And, and I think even here, Nick, because, I mean, is that 13 feet? I mean, that's pretty close, right? Okay. Okay. Okay, I need a young kid. Who, uh, Benjamin? I need a boy. All right, so here's, okay, I mean, David probably wasn't this small, I and mean, it's probably just a tad, you know, bigger, 12-year-old, but, but let's just say David, you know, and here's Goliath, you're not really Goliath, we love you, okay, but here's Goliath, and he is intimidating God's people, right, and um, all of the Israelites were around, and what happened? Fear paralyzed them. They couldn't do what God called them to do. And here comes this young kid just bringing food to his brothers, right? And he started hearing the mocking, the intimidation of Goliath. And he's like, uh, say what? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How dare him come against my God? He didn't say me. He's saying God. And so what David did is he's like, wait a minute, you guys, why are you allowing this to happen? Nobody's standing up and being bold for the good news and what God has done and everybody's cowering in fear and staying behind and allowing the enemy. Not you, Nick. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> to intimidate. This is what the enemy loves to do. And so David said, I'll do it. Why? Because David knew his heavenly perspective. David knew the kingdom of God was so much bigger than even his life on earth. He had no fear of death. David could not have had fear of death to go against Goliath. He, he couldn't have. He had to know. David was the one that said, one day in your courts is better than what? Thousands elsewhere. He's like, if I die doing some courageous act for the Lord, Praise God. If I live, praise God. Right? And so um, I have, so David, so Saul's like, okay, I can't believe Saul let this young kid go. But I think they saw something in him that nobody else had. 
It was, it was beyond the natural, but they saw that, that courageousness, that boldness. You know, people follow courageousness. It takes one person to stand up for truth, stand up for justice, and people come. It takes one person. And David said, how dare him? He was offended that he was talking against his God. And so... um. Where are the stones? I have stones out there. I should have five. So Saul said, okay, David will at least use my sword. At least use my sword. And you know what David did? He got five rocks. You can bring them up here. Five rocks. Now, why didn't he use the sword? Okay, thank you. You can go. Thank you. Five stones. Why didn't, thank you, Nick, so much. I'm sorry. I'm um, why didn't he use the sword? Because Paul, because Paul, because David wasn't coming in his own strength. He knew that. He knew man to man, kid to man, in the natural, there's no way. He wasn't coming in his confidence. He was coming with the confidence of the kingdom of God that all of heaven was going to back him up. So he just says, well, all I need is a stone. I mean, really, I don't need anything. I have Jesus. And, and I love the rock because what does the rock represent? Jesus. Jesus is the rock. We don't come against anything in our own strength. Honestly, we're nothing without Jesus. He has made us righteous. He has made us good. He has made us pure. He has made us holy. He's done everything. We just get to receive it and enjoy it. That's a good deal. Usually when something sounds too good to be true, we know it's not true, except for the kingdom of God. It's true. It's true. He's so good. So he took these stones and he came and, and he was defeated. He was defeated with a little rock because God backs up the boldness. And when we stand up against the enemy, he never wins. He never wins. Okay, so um, Hannah, give me my rope. I like to pull out my rope every once in a while. And I always have to get a new rope because as soon as I get home, my rope disappears. I think it's my son, but... I want to give you a little heavenly perspective. It, and this is not even the best example, honestly, but, but it is still, a, a visual is really good. Okay. Let me pull this out. Abby, come help me. It was all straight, but... Okay, Abby, walk way, way, way over there. Okay, so I'm keeping Victor really busy back there, huh? <laughs> okay, you see this little red? Okay, this is like an example of life on earth. And you see everything after? That's eternity with Jesus. And truthfully, it's like not even that. Because how can you compare like forever with what, 100, 120 years, 50 years, whatever, you know? But it's like, why do we worry so much about this? Why do we fear so much about this? Why do we put so much value on this life when we were created for this in eternity? Why do we cower? And this is what David was like, ah, Right? And Paul, and what we're called to do. Thank you, Abby. 
Okay, I'm going to read you something. Matthew 24, and my time is up. Okay, I'm going to have to end with this. I'm telling you, get excited. Get excited for life on earth. Like, it's not like doom and gloom until we go to heaven. We have victory now and victory then. It's great if we live a long life on earth, and I think we all will, and it's great when the Lord comes back. It's even better. It's win-win. It's win-win always with God. Always with God, it's win-win. I love that. I love that. He's my safe place. It's win-win. I don't have to fear. No matter what comes our way, he always works it out for our good. He works it out for your good. He loves you so much. You guys, he loves us so much. When you understand how loved you are by God, it's like all fear goes. He loves us so much. He knows the desires of our heart. Okay, Matthew 24. Oh, I wanted to read something else first. Hold on one second. Um, John 14 first, sorry. I am going to read Matthew 24, but first, John 14. Jesus is talking to the disciples because he's about to be crucified, and he knows that they didn't quite get any of the prophetic words yet, you know? And so they're going to be scared because the Messiah, the one they've been following, is about to die. And he knew fear was going to come in their hearts, but he's trying to explain to them. And, and in chapter 14, John 14, 1, it says, don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust me. Don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust me. There are many rooms in my father's home. Another translation said many mansions. I don't know. Do we all have our own mansions? Is it one big house? I don't know. But I know it's big and it's good. And I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. He's saying, I'm being honest. I'm not just like, I'm not tricking you. Like, I'm going to go do something and then disappear. Like, I'm telling you why I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you with my father. He's like, I'm not lying. And he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me and where I am at. And you will know where I am and, where, and how to get there. Okay, I love this. Because Jesus didn't ascend to the right hand of the Father, and then he's in heaven, and he's like, oh, I hope it works out for you, and just waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going. Why? Because he's preparing a place for us. He's busy. He's preparing a place, and Jesus says, when it's done, I'm coming back for you. What is he waiting for? When it's done. He's waiting for when he's done. And, and it says in Matthew 24, I was going to read, nobody knows the day or hour. Nobody knows. Not the angels in heaven. And Jesus says, the Father didn't even tell me. I think because Jesus would tell us. I think he would be so excited. He's like, I just have to tell you. But the Father knows, right? Sometimes you can't tell secrets to your kids because they'll let it out. And I think Jesus, you know, He's the brother. He's the older brother. He's going to tell us because he longs to be with us. He longs to be with us. He's preparing a place. Sometimes we think, where's God in all of this? He's preparing a place for us, a great place. Like we're all together forever. 
and, and the best version of ourselves. Like, think about that, because sometimes we're like, oh, do we have to be forever with somebody? The best versions of ourselves all together. That's good news too, right? I know we've had a lot of family time, and it's been really good and some really tough days. So we get to be all together forever in perfect harmony. That's good news. And what is Jesus waiting for? Is he waiting for us? It doesn't say that. Is he waiting until you do everything you're supposed to do, I'm not going to come? No. It says when I'm ready, when everything's ready, when everything's set, I'm coming back for you. So there's so many stories that says we don't know. In a blinking of an eye, Jesus is going to come, right? We have to just keep doing what God has called us to do. My whole point in this is that there's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. Our life should be on purpose and centered around what Jesus has called us to do because there's no life at all except for that. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited because Jesus is good news every day. He's good news in life. He's good news in death. He's good news in every situation because that's who he is. There's nothing God can't fix, nothing he can't redeem. Nothing, nothing. We read, he can turn bones into an army. You know that story. A bunch of bones and he goes, oh, these look like good soldiers and breathe life into them. I mean, he could just do anything. He can do anything, anytime. We read about it. We sing about it. But here's the thing. It's true. It's true. And we have to stand up and be bold for the Lord in our life and not cower back, but live a strong, steady, enthusiastic life for the Lord because he deserves it. And if we don't, we might as well go to heaven because we're wasting time. Not be like we should die, but I just mean like, if we're not going to do what we're supposed to do, we might as well just get into destiny. That's what I mean. I feel like this time has really helped me personally kind of see priorities. We kind of just slowly start taking on a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff. And, and it's like, okay, God, what, what have you really called me to do and what can I do well? Because when we have so much going on, we kind of lose focus and we just kind of like toss to and fro. So this time of, you know, social distancing or quarantine or whatever, you know God works out everything for our good. So I think he used this time for a reset button. Okay, Kara, what did you take on that I didn't call you to do? Because he doesn't want us to be exhausted, hurried, rushed, missing opportunities. But enjoying life that I can stop for the one. I'm not rushed if I need to pray for the sick. That I have time to allow the power of God, what Michelle said, the power of God flow through me. What's good of the Holy Spirit in me if I never let him out? I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. Shoving him down, right? But living a life that God can use every single day with a heavenly perspective. Amen?